Hey all, welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Muller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. Happy to be joined now by Lisa He of Borderlands Bakery, uh, based out of California, I believe near Sacramento. Um, Lisa's a, uh, a cookie baker, and she shares her experience online on both her blog, Instagram, and uh, even TikTok now. Lisa, thanks for coming on and, and sharing some of your uh, knowledge with us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Um, so before we get too, too much into the interview, just kind of would like to know more about you and, and how you got into this thing. So what's, what exactly is your background other than just baking? All right. So it actually, my, my background has nothing to do with baking. I'm a biomedical engineer by schooling. So I went to Davis, got my engineering degree and got a job in medical device immediately out of school. So I actually got into baking while I was in college to relieve a little bit of stress actually really hated school so baking was kind of the perfect outlet to focus my energy not related to engineering or studying um so i was actually in biotech for about 10 years and i actually ended up loving biotech i liked the people i loved the technology i loved what we were doing for the world um i've worked in a variety of roles from regulatory affairs quality engineering to research development. I did a lot of project management and product management. Also had a small role in operations and then eventually found my way back into a regulatory affairs project management capacity. Um, I had been working for a startup and things were actually going fine and I really enjoyed the team and everybody that I was working with, but I had been growing Borderlands Bakery on the side as a side hustle, but also passion project. And in 2018, it just got really big. I'd put a lot of effort into Instagram. I developed my own line of baking accessories, tools, and products. And I have a bunch of tutorials online, a bunch of recipes. And November 1st, I officially quit my corporate biotech job to focus 100% on Borderlands Bakery. Amazing. So you're you're in school and you start baking. At what point Mm -hmm. thereafter did somebody approach you or or maybe even you just noticed it yourself that you had some real potential in this field? Well, actually, I feel like for me, it took a long time. So 2011 was when I kind of decided I was getting serious about baking. That was the year I was starting my first job out of school. Um, We did like a fundraiser for breast cancer awareness in October, and I baked these horrible sugar cookies. (laughs) Like, They were so ugly and not delicious, but kind of got bitten by the bug and just did a bunch of research and worked my butt off. Um, But it really wasn't until 2015 that I got good with a lot of practice. So it took four years of practice to get good, to get comfortable at a level where I felt like I could share more of my work, share some of the things that I've learned. And that's when I started to really focus on my Instagram and engage with the people that were on there. So 2015, I bit the bullet, I got my cottage food license, and then I started officially selling out of my home. So that's kind of when things took a turn. 
And then through that process, um, a couple years of doing a lot of custom orders, just doing pure cookies to really take my skills to the next level. I got very comfortable in 2017. And then that's when kind of people started noticing the Instagram. So I got approached by some Netflix guys, some Food Network people, and then I did some work with them in 2018. Yeah, talk, talk about and those, that's when it like launched. <laughs> yeah, t- talk about those TV yeah. experiences. Just overall, how how was that, and is it is it what it seems it is to the audience, or were there some behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On? So it's really crazy and pretty surreal. Um, first of all, you film like six months to ten months before the episode actually comes out. So if it's Christmas stuff, it's not Christmas. <laughs> Um, they kind of find you via various channels or you can apply. That's another option. They found my Instagram. They encouraged me to apply. So I applied thinking nothing of it really. Um, TV isn't something that I pursue because I'm not a dramatic person and I don't feel like I'm that interesting. So to, to be on there and to be engaging was really challenging for me. Um, behind the scenes, it's it is what it is. You know, they've got these time challenges, and they don't lie about that. You have to really get everything done in the time that they give you, and you're really not doing your best work while you're there. You're just doing the best you can with what you're given. So it's as crazy as it looks on TV. It probably is even crazier. So we're in the the mix of um, Christmas cookie decorating season right now, and, and you can certainly tell that if, if you weren't aware of the of the calendar month, you can just tell that based on your on your Instagram. Um, and you you use a lot of uh, techniques with your with your icing, uh, like stenciled and, and textures and, and painting and, and and so on and so forth. So, what is your your favorite um, kind of technique that you use, and which is the most time consuming? Oh my God! Okay, so. I have a lot of favorites and I feel like they're almost all time consuming. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I do is I like using really stiff icing. So I beat it until it almost feels like a buttercream. So it's kind of light and airy. And I use piping tips to quickly um, generate some designs on cookies that are really minimal effort, maximum effect kind of stuff. So if you kind of look around and you see some really more piping tipped sort of designs, that's what those are. Those are the easy things for me. Um, The more intricate stuff are the things that actually look super simple, super clean, but have a lot of layers. And those things are the ones that take the longest. So you lay layer down, you wait for it to dry, you airbrush or paint a background on it, and then you put another layer of design or two on top of that. So that's actually my favorite way to work cookies is to layer them, but that's definitely very time consuming. And, and I noticed that you used a, a dehydrator to speed up the drying time. Is that a common technique? Yes. Yeah, so in the in the cookie decorating world, dehydrators are kind of our secret weapon to generate the volume that some of us need to do for Christmas, especially. When you put the cookies in the dehydrator after they've been iced, it helps that icing dry much faster or at least crust over so you can get the next layer on faster. So that's all it is. It's just to speed up the drying process. So with that in mind, just, I guess, on average from mixing the dough mm-hmm. to the finishing touches, how much time does <laughs> one you know custom order take to complete? So if we're looking at one dozen medium intricate cookies from the client communication part, which is also a huge part of the process that is very time consuming, 
figuring out exactly what they want, making the dough, baking the cookies, making the icing, coloring, mixing various consistencies, and then actually doing the design and designing the design. It takes about four to eight hours for one dozen of custom cookies. So it's quite an effort. So on the flip side of things, for somebody <laughs> for somebody like me that doesn't necessarily bake all that much and certainly doesn't um, design such uh, intricate uh, cookies, what's what resources would you would you give to somebody for just an easy kind of no fail Christmas cookie? Okay, so there's no such thing as no fail. I always tell people that because we are humans oh, and there's a chance oh, we always screw something up. <laughs> um, so. That probably doesn't exist, but there are some great resources out there on the internet that you can start with. Personally, I have a blog that contains a bunch of different resources. So a couple of things. I have a recipe post that goes over my original recipes available for purchase, but it also links you to some some of my favorite free recipes online. So definitely start there. I also have a giant resources post, which literally gives you the whole list of all the tools that I use and what I use them for, also on my blog. Um, A couple of big names out there that have amazing accounts are Sweet Sugar Bell and Sweet Amps. These ladies both have blogs, and I believe Sweet Sugar Bell has a YouTube, but it's not as um, updated as Sweet Amps. But Sweet Amps is one of my OG cookie teachers because she had a YouTube before this whole cookie scene blew up. Um, so definitely check Sweet Amps out for a bunch of tutorials. I, I will. And, and oh, wait. Yeah. Hold on. There's one more. Sure. <laughs> if you want to learn how to make the icing and all the different consistencies, oh, aside do. from the free videos on YouTube, um, Chibo is one of the startups um, that are in the Louisville area, and they are hosting some classes that I teach on how to get certain consistency of royal icing, and we actually make it together live, which is super, super cool. That that is that is awesome to to hear about. Um, so what what is the biggest mistake people make when trying to bake cookies? What what's so like just easily avoidable? Okay, so when they're baking cookies, like they're actually doing the cookie baking part. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of people um, think that baking powder or leavening causes cookie spread. That's actually not true at all. Leavening improves the texture of your cookie by making it slightly fluffier, and it helps with the puffiness of your cookie. So leavening is not your culprit if your cookies are spreading. If your cookies are spreading, it's because of a couple of things. It could be because you're not baking at the right temperature. So make sure you get an oven thermometer to see what the actual temperature of your oven is, because I bet you it's off by 25 to 50 degrees. It's an $8 investment. It's so worth it. Baking it at the right temperature ensures that the cookie sets up without the butter melting out of it, causing that spread. So that's like Christmas disaster, right? The cookies have all lost their shape. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the other thing that you want to kind of consider when, it, when you're dealing with cookie spread is looking at the ratio of your wet to dry ingredients. If it's too wet, your cookies are going to spread, period. So those things will help prevent cookie spreading, which is one of those big sad things that happens when you bake Christmas cookies. You, you know, I think my uh, we're, we're recording this on a Friday, and uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure that I'm going to be spending my Friday night baking cookies now. So I love it. I'm in the mood for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Good. So w- what, I, what I've always noticed about people like yourself, small business owners, 
you you usually have like a, a like a drive within you, yeah. an internal drive and, and, and a hustle. Are there any that you want to talk about, like even before that you started this business specifically? Yeah, yeah. So I so I actually immigrated here when I was six. Um, my dad immigrated here from China when I was actually only ten months old. Um, so there's there's you know a born as an immigrant, you kind of feel like, you know, I have to make it, you know, that's always kind of in the back of my mind, whether conscious or not. And recently, I've really discovered that's a huge driving factor for why I work so hard, because I saw my parents come here, and I watched them work their butts off to make sure that I have a better life. Um, when I was in middle school, I was super bored. Those were the AOL online disc days where you get like, you know, do you remember CDs in the mail? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you'd have to like and that terrible screeching noise you, too that that terrible it. screeching noise. But you also had allocated hours on those discs for the internet. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like, yeah, okay. it wasn't something you could spend all day on. <laughs> no, and you take over the phone line. So when I was in middle school, I discovered one of those discs in the mail, and I just started playing around. And I put it in, and I was like, oh my god, the internet's amazing. I found forums, and I started to sell counterfeit Korean pop star bookmarks on internet forums (laughs) in middle school. So I was printing them at home. I was laminating them at home and I was shipping them out to people and I was getting cash via envelopes in the mail. (laughs) And my mom found one one day. (laughs) And she's kind of like, what is going on? So it's kind of just weird because my parents didn't really know what I was doing and the internet was kind of a weird concept for them. But that's how it started. And I feel like I got bitten by the bug to sell things to people that brought them joy or bring them kind of, some kind of value. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I was doing that all the way up to high school. And I was bringing in like 40, 50 bucks a week. That's a lot for a middle schooler. <laughs> so <laughs> I was excited. And then eventually, I found another hobby, which was jewelry making. So between high school and for the most part of college, I had a jewelry business that fueled pretty much my entire college expenses, which was insane. So I took out loans, but I also was able to pay for my living expenses. So that was really, really cool. And I loved that I was able to be self-sufficient without having to depend on other people. And that's a huge drive for me. Um, Another thing that really affected me was just very recently, last year, my parents were scammed out of their entire life savings. Oh. So, I mean, they, they are so frugal and they work so hard. They really deserve to just, you know, enjoy their life at this point. And for me, when I was on Food Network competition, that was definitely on my mind because, you know, the winnings were $10,000 and I'm giving that to my parents ASAP. $10,000 is nothing for, for, you know, what they do to raise you and... Right make sure that you're taken care of. So one of my biggest driving forces is ensuring that I can take care of my family. Just they should not have to worry. So that's huge for me. Wow. That's, that's a great driving force. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, um, you, you touched on this earlier, uh, regarding why you picked up Instagram and started running with it. Um, but I'm sure at one point, I mean, when, when you started the, like just being on Instagram in general, was that a personal, yeah. uh, like, did you have a personal Instagram and then you made one separately for Borden's Bakery? 
Yeah, so it started out being a, what the heck is an Instagram? Right. Let's try it out. So kind of played around, and I think this was definitely 2011, 2012 kind of time when it was just really getting started and kind of developing momentum. Um, I was taking pictures of my pets, you know, as we all do, yeah, and food. <laughs> I was already baking stuff like French macarons, cookies, brownies, cheesecakes, all that kind of stuff. So I just started taking pictures and posting them with my really horrible phone at the time. You can actually scroll back in my feed and see some of those old pictures. So they're all still there. I didn't delete anything. And then eventually I just made the conversion and switched my name and just was like, well, this is me now. So it's all just me. And today the only difference is it's slightly prettier, but it's all still me. So just other than portfolio. just the other than just like the photography uh, changes in, mm -hmm. in quality, you you would say that there wasn't much of a change in the transition from something a little bit more personal focused to more cookie focused. Business focused, yeah. So th there was really nothing at all because cookie cookie is my life right now. So whatever they see is whatever I experience, and I like to share a lot about kind of managing small businesses and sort of the struggles of a small business owner on my Instagram. And I think that resonates with a lot of my audience because they are all fellow small business owners as well. So you do have, you do have a YouTube. We touched on uh, YouTube a little bit earlier. I started one. Right. It is lacking attention, but that's a goal for 2020. But, but the point is that you, that's still something that you use that they, or that you want to use. Yes, for sure. Do you, I think it's important to be everywhere. True. Um, yeah. To that point, you're also, I believe, on IGTV, correct? Yes, for sure. So between the the two, what what do you what do you hope to gain from either one of those? So I, IGTV is just kind of like fun, longer form videos. There, literally, I do IGTV for fun. Okay. Um, and I do some informative tutorials on there every once in a while. I would love to grow my YouTube audience. So I would love to really have more tutorials on there. I would love to do more vlogging on there because a lot of people want to know how I deal with life and a business that has pretty much taken over my life. Um, so that would be something that I want to share more on my YouTube. But all of that takes time and I'm, I'm one human being. So right now the goal is to try to help people that can do some of this work with me. Um, but I want to grow YouTube to a point where it's another kind of the same similar size as my Instagram, where I have an engaged audience and I can really bring value to these people. You've, you've accumulated a massive audience uh, across all channels, but I'm going to talk specifically, I guess, about, um, Instagram here. Do yeah. you, do you ever feel pressure to post or does Instagram in general just ever stress you out? Yes and no, and I think I've gotten so much better at it over this last year. When I first transitioned over from like a personal to business account, I was like, oh my God, everything has to be like perfect, formal, um, and I had to post on a certain schedule during a certain time of day or whatever. And in this last year, as the audience has grown, the more it has grown, the more I just felt like I owe it to myself to just be a hundred percent authentic and comfortable with the content I'm sharing on my terms. Of course, analytics and stuff like that are important when it comes to running a business, but my brand is a hundred percent within my control for how I want it to be presented. Um, so I worry less today about 
when I'm posting, how many likes I'm getting, what the engagement is like. All of that is definitely in the back of your head and still, you know, hey, this is important, but it doesn't rule what content I choose to post anymore. It used to for, you know, a short period of time, but it doesn't anymore. Yeah, and, and I would argue that uh, a, a lot of people um, are still kind of controlled by that uh, mentality, unfortunately, and which is one reason why uh, Instagram claims yeah. that they're, you know, they're taking away likes and everything. That's their their reason is for essentially the general public mental health. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is stressful. Like, there's zero denying that. And today, there are still some days where you're like, oh my god, no one's looking at my stories. What's going on? Right. But that's outside of my control, you know? Yeah. Now, on, like, I on, can't control that. <laughs> on the opposite end, uh, with the emergence of, of TikTok, um, mm-hmm. it is it is a space for creators and, and really more, more so than any other platform I've seen in social media. So as an artist in the baking space, are you mm-hmm. finding yourself having a little bit more fun on that specific platform? Yes. So you specifically said fun, and I think fun is a perfect word to use for TikTok because it's way less formal. It doesn't feel as curated as Instagram feeds feel. And I just feel like I could do whatever I want. So with Instagram, I built a style. So for every two photos, there's a video. Every two photos, there's a video. Um, And the videos are always decorating videos. They're not like me showing my face or anything. You'll probably never see my face on my Instagram. It makes me super uncomfortable. Um, Not on my feed anyway. In the stories, I pop up all the time. But with TikTok, I feel like very free, very free. So I can do whatever I want. I can post like a slow-mo video of me breaking a chocolate chip cookie and doing that melted chocolate chip pool. You know, that makes me happy. So I'm going to do it. Um, I can do a a cookie decorating video that takes a 12-minute video and slams it into 12 seconds. Put a fun song on it and we are done. That's okay. Or if I feel like doing, you know, something crazy where I'm I'm doing something with a cookie or we're watching like a time lapse of a cookie bake, like that's cool. I don't have to curate it. I literally just put whatever I want on there that I would want to watch. So, yeah, fun. It's a lot of fun. It it is. And and you, I I just recently got into TikTok myself trying to figure out the platform just from a a user standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really just... It's, it's addictive. It's fun. You can see the authenticity and just kind of r- raw video that people are totally comfortable posting about. And, and at the yeah. same time, they're, they're using it in a really creative way that uh, you, can, you can see like how the wheels are turning in their head as they create it. Yes. I, I think it's hilarious. Um, and, and some of these videos take quite a bit of effort in order to like cut edit time you know it's actually pretty impressive oh yeah absolutely um yeah so i I want to take up too much more of your time uh but you know it it is the the holiday season and people are are out there giving gifts um yeah so for somebody who is on your your website uh and Mm -hmm. they want to get a a gift for their baker friend or or cookie a is that what is that a term cookie a cookie air Cookier. We call them cookiers. Cookiers. All right. So for a cookie, yeah. um, what would be a tool that you'd recommend them utilize? Okay. So if you are just getting into cookie decorating, I have a blog post on beginner cookie decorators. Start here. Here are the bare minimum things that I recommend you get. Um, grab yourself a nice mixer that will last you a while. I think you will love it. It can do meatballs. It can do cake, cookies, 
you know, brownies. It can do a lot of things. So a stand mixer is huge. You can't get that on my website, but I do have an Amazon storefront where I list my favorite stand mixers. But that's also linked on my website. Um, I love KitchenAid. I love Breville's, so I'm really partial to those. If you are a cookier or a caker, piping bags are really essential. Mm. And I've actually developed a line of piping bags that are still very comfortable and tactile. Like you can feel the product through the piping bag, but also super strong. So those are available on my website. Um, I also have cookie scribes, which are super crucial for manipulating the icing around your cookie. You can use a toothpick. That's totally cool. But if you want something a little cuter, a little more attractive, you can also go on my website and pick up a couple of cookie scribes. So those are the big things that come to mind. Um, I also offer some mini spatulas for mixing smaller amounts of icing. Um, and I do have one product that I love that I have to plug, and it's called Diamond Dust. Ooh, <laughs> what is Diamond Dust? <laughs> it's by a company called The Sugar Art. And they are a color company that develops uh, food colors that are all dry, so they're powder-based. But they also came out with a product um, called Diamond Dust, which is edible glitter. It's all FDA-approved everything. And it's exactly as it sounds. It's a very fine glitter dust that you can spray onto your cookies. And it gives them a shine. That that is like nothing else, and I carry that in my shop as well. The uh, the as an aside, <laughs> the uh, the glitter beer trend is still very much uh, a thing. So it's it's always really fun yes. to see people brew with glitter as well now. That's um, so funny. I love it. Awesome, Lisa. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your life and your passion. We hope that you have a, a great holiday season filled with so much great baking that you can also show us on your on your Instagram. Thank you, for sure. I will share every bit of the process, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us. 